Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. This time, we're talking to my good friend and the guy that's actually responsible for getting me into Krav Maga around about 11 plus years ago now, Jesse Walker, and he has his training school, Rough Hands, up in Louisville, Kentucky. And if this is your first time listening to the Self-Initiative Project podcast, we welcome you and thank you for listening in. And you know, if you like what you hear today, uh, feel free to go back through our other episodes and listen to them. And then if you like, really start liking what you're listening, keep coming back. We've got some good stuff coming up. And be sure and tell your friends and family about it because, you know, there's no better way to get the word out than word of mouth. So we'd appreciate that. And thanks for being here today. So with that, we'll get started. Jesse, hey, how are you? What's up, Jim? How are you? <laughs> good. I'm good. So uh, I always like to start these things as we were just talking about with you talking uh, endlessly about yourself. So tell us a little bit about your history, who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now, so on. Yeah, perfect. Um, so yeah, my, my story is always kind of weird. I got, I got started in martial arts. Um, I don't know what I consider to be relatively late in life. I probably didn't start. Let's see, I'm 41 now and I started back in 2007. So 12 years ago ish. Um, so I'm, I'm not one of those guys. It's like I've been, I've been at it since I was two years old. I was always doing things, but uh, I didn't get I didn't get into the martial arts world uh, until much later. You, and you didn't have your black belt until you, uh, at, at age nine? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> no, I did not. Um, it was much closer to age, uh, uh, let's see, 35-ish. Yeah. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, I think that's really kind of shaped um, shaped my, my approach, especially to coaching, maybe not so much with the martial arts itself, but, but with coaching. Um, I think, I think one of the things that really, um, kept me out of martial arts, uh, and finally got me in was I was, I was the dude that was scared to go in, just walk in the front door. I was, I was nervous about, People not liking me, me not being good at it, you know, but, you know, all the things that people worry about. Um, and I think ultimately that's what kept me out. Yeah. Um, I was pretty overweight at the time. And, uh, you know, just I like to stay in the comfy confines, of, you know, my, my comfort zone. And I was just kind of having a little bit of a, uh, an identity crisis. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go do something that scares me. I'm going to go do something that just really pushes me right out of that comfort zone. And um, I, I walked into a place. I was living in Dayton, Ohio at the time. I knew about Krav Maga, and I was really interested in it. But, you know, over a decade ago, Krav Maga schools were few and far between. So I just didn't have an option in Dayton, Ohio. So I went, I went the closest route that I'd at least what seemed the closest to me in my kind of shallow studies. And, and I found the Filipino martial arts, Kali, Eskrima, the stick fighting, the knife fighting, that kind of stuff. Blade um, sticks. Yep. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. It was awesome. I found a great coach and, and I really enjoyed the people and, and it was great. It was perfect. I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. This is, this is my thing. Um, 
interestingly enough, there were a lot of other things going on at that school that in hindsight, you know, they had a Muay Thai program and they had a jiu-jitsu program. And I now I'm just like kicking myself. Man, why wasn't I doing all that stuff too? Why didn't I take advantage of it? Sure. Um, but after about a year, maybe not even quite a year of that, I moved down to Atlanta. Um, where I, where you and I found the cross paths, right? Yeah. Um, and Atlanta is a big metropolitan area. And the very first thing I, I'm like, man, I wonder if they've got a crowd Maga school. Yep. So I think I moved on a Saturday and I was in, you know, the, the closest crowd Maga school I could find that following Tuesday. And then after that, it was like on like Donkey Kong. Right. Um, so, and when, when I say that, you know, most people that have trained Krav Maga, they get bit by the bug and they'll know, they'll know what I mean. You know, I'm going multiple times a day, every day a week, <laughs> you know, just, I'm addicted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like taking that first hit of smack buddy. And after that, it's just, there's, there's no end to the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and after about a year or so, um, my, my coach there asked if I would be interested in, uh, if I'd ever thought about teaching and, you know, becoming an instructor. And, uh, I'm not sure it was something I'd ever explicitly thought about. I was honored and super interested to find out more about that. Yeah. Um, so I went down that avenue. And, and interestingly enough, it's one of the things I've always really liked about Krav Maga is a lot of traditional martial arts, right? You get... Once you get your black belt, they're like, okay, you're good to teach. Go go forth and do your thing. And you never actually have any real instructor training or um, they just assume because you got your black belt, you can do the, you can teach the thing. Right. You can do the thing, you can teach the thing. Right. And, uh, you know, Krav Maga always took a really different approach to that. And so they kind of did a stepped instructor approach where we uh, – I went away for a week. You went away for a week too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, torture. <laughs> yeah. And they <laughs> hazed you real good for a week. Yeah, you did. And, and then after that, they're like, yeah, you're good to instruct this amount of material. Yeah. You're, you're certified to, to teach people this amount of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you would keep building up in your instructor rank as you built up in your kind of, uh, uh, practitioner rank yeah um and i i always thought that was really cool because it made coaching accessible to me at a much earlier stage than it would have in other martial arts um so i really kind of dove headlong into coaching um i realized that it was it was something i really had some passion about and um so I, I ended up kind of leaving the school that I, I, I spent a few years at. Um, didn't have a real good solution for, you know, I didn't, there, there weren't other places I really wanted to go train. Uh, I knew that I wanted to continue to teach. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a pickle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I decided maybe I just try to open up my own school, yeah. um, which is crazy, right? Cause yeah. I've got a full time job and, yada 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 and sure. but i'm like well let's let's give it a try there's people that want to train with me um so i i started teaching on my own 
Uh, it was going okay. I got a little way late, as, uh, as you know, with uh, a lovely little brain tumor and <laughs> terrible sickness that, that nearly put me in the ground. Yeah, I remember all that. Uh, but uh, I, I fought my way back out of that and got back to coaching as, as quickly as I could. Um, actually found uh, a new kind of mentor and coach. Um, who who finished me up, getting me to my black belt in Krav Maga. Um, I opened a relatively successful school in Atlanta. Um, it's actually still going. I'm up in Louisville, Kentucky now, but I left it to um, some wonderful folks down there, and they've they've kept the fires burning down there and are doing great. Um, I came up to Louisville, Kentucky about four years ago ish, and started a school here. Um, and so we're here now. I'm, I'm still teaching Krav Maga and coaching Krav Maga regularly. I, this year, have also started coaching uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've always done a lot of grappling and stuff, but now I've kind of formally started teaching that. Yeah. Um, it's great. I've just, uh, I've now gotten to where I'm coaching full-time now. I'm no longer, uh, I've kind of stepped away from being a computer nerd. Yeah, running your own rat race—that's good. And a desk, and a desk jockey. And now I'm responsible for all the bad things that happen in my life. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's on you, which isn't a bad it thing. It's a nice change of pace. Good and the bad. It is on me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I was. We did a a podcast some time ago. I think it was our twelfth episode. I believe this one's seventeen now. But we did a, a episode on Krav Maga and what to expect. I think it was our twelfth. Yeah. And I was calculating for that one when you and I met because I, I made mention of you because you're the one that got me into it originally. You know that's all. That's been all the way back at two thousand and eight already. Wow, that long ago. Huh? Yeah, 2008 was the carjacking uh, seminar that uh, I went to after you told me about it. And then I, I was like you. Uh, there was nothing to be found near me for the longest time. And then yeah. uh, a Facebook ad popped up uh, one afternoon. I happened to be on and see it. And it wound up that the school that I started with was literally like less than six minutes from my house at that time. <laughs> unreal yeah so that's been 11 years ago already over 11 yeah. years ago already crazy Time flies yeah man so you know you and you know we came up with this long list of stuff we wanted to get through today possibly but yeah. you know you touched on something and maybe it was intentional maybe not but i want to circle back on it because i think it's a great place for us to start maybe and okay when you were talking about yourself and why you didn't get into martial arts to begin with, because you were yeah. scared or didn't know really what to do, or you didn't want to get out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I don't think that's uncommon. I think there's a lot of hesitancy of getting into martial arts for those reasons and, and, or I just don't want to get beat up. Like I've got friends I've talked to about Krav Maga and they're like, yeah, getting bruised up isn't for me. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. but you got to go through that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I guess for me, the, the, what I would say to that is for folks listening to this, don't let those things be the things that keep you away from exploring avenues that you find yourself maybe being interested in, especially if you're interested in developing self-defense and, and growing your personal safety uh, portfolio, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's true in every facet of life. I yeah. mean, 
the good stuff happens at the deep end of the pool. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing good ever happens in the kiddie pool. You don't ever learn anything. No breakthroughs ever happen. You got to get in the deep end. Um, but with that said, I think it's important that you have to you have to find the right environment and also set expectations. So, um, I can tell you, you know, one of the things I was worried about is not being any good at it. Guess what? That was accurate. Yeah. Nobody's good. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody's going to be any good at it when they come in. No, no. Right? That's what you, you know, get for jumping in the deep end of the pool or the lion's right, den in the first exactly place. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. So just accept that. You're not going to be any good, but here's the punchline. Everybody else that you walk into, they knew that. And they remember the day that they walked in that they weren't any good. Yeah. And so they're going to be sensitive to that. Right. And if yeah. you happen, and it, there are places out there that, take advantage of those people and you feel like you just, you know, uh, jumped into a shark tank. Yeah. But if you're in the right place, those people are interested in just sending the elevator back down and getting you back up to where they are. Sure. Um, they want you to be as, as successful as, as they are. Um, and, and they remember that day that they walked in and they were nervous and they didn't know anybody and they didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So that's fine. You're not going to be any good at it. We'll get that out of the way. Most places, you're going to be able to find some camaraderie. Yeah, at some the, level, the people yeah. the people there are going through the same stuff you're going through, and you all are going to find some some common ground. Now, if you are if you're going, and I, I actually recommend go try a few places. Yeah. You know, especially early in your journey, if you've got it available to you. Go try a few different schools. Go see what's out there. Um, because not all coaches are the same. Not all cultures are the same. I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot because that's um, that's one of my big that's one of my big soapboxes is is culture during during you know coaching and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, but, the environment that's created. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it all that said, like it's it's important to put yourself in positions where you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and that will transfer into the actual practice of the martial art itself. Yeah. Um, you going in, walking in the door the first time, that's probably the hardest thing you'll do. You know, understanding, man, I need to keep putting myself in these kind of weird positions and, and, Literally, and putting literally, I need to keep making myself <laughs> uncomfortable, pretzel, so I can figure out how to how to deal with it. Yeah, um, and and that is that is one of the deep, dark, unspoken secrets. You just don't hear people talking about it a lot. That's one of the big secrets to self defense and fighting is the more time you spend in places that are uncomfortable that would cause normal people to panic. And you learn how to not panic and operate in spite of the discomfort. Yeah. The more likely you are to survive a violent encounter. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point is it's only through that abuse that you learn how to cope with it and get through. Right. And you, and you start to even understand little things like, okay, there is a difference between being uncomfortable and being in danger. Um, and th yeah. that may be on a macro or a micro level, right? I may be doing 
I may be rolling around uh, doing jujitsu, and I've got this guy just smashing me, and it's uncomfortable. Man, yeah. this sucks. Yeah. But I'm not in danger of getting choked. I'm not. I don't have. There's no joint locks happening. I'm just uncomfortable. Okay, yeah. well, I can deal with that. I'll breathe through it. But my brain, okay, I've been here before, and I know how to operate in that environment. Yeah. Um, and I think that is incredibly important. No, you made that point when I was up back in June uh, and I was attempting to roll around and you said, you know, don't relax, don't sweat it so much. Like, remember, there's a difference between being uncomfortable or in discomfort and in danger. And that resonated yeah. with me because there is a big difference. You're right. And we're just playing. So it's more about getting used to being in that discomfort jo zone. Right. Yeah. So, so that is the, I think the other big point in terms of getting people getting people in here and getting them training find a place that feels like play yeah find a place where you're just going to roughhouse you know if you're in a room full of just meathead murderers <laughs> Which there are Maybe plenty of schools not, that support those guys. Yeah. 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 There are schools like that. Maybe you're not in the right place. And that's not, that's not about you. That's not saying something about you. That's just not the environment that you need to learn in. And that's fine. Not for you. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, I tell people, uh, you know, people hear me yap about this all the time. I'm sure they're tired of it. I treat fighting like swimming. I think swimming is something everybody should learn how to do. Yeah, agreed. And when I talk to people about swimming, especially kids, right? You start asking them, why'd you learn how to swim? Because it's fun. Everybody says, because it's fun. I love it. Yeah. We learn how to swim so we don't drown. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. It's fun, but it serves a purpose too. Yeah. Um, and, but, and, and, I'll tie this back to something else, uh, but people don't come back and come to the swimming pool every day because they've got the lifeguard or their swim instructor saying, uh, get in there. You, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Like you're going to drown. Always someone always barking at you about the worst case scenario. Yeah. People come back to the swimming pool every day because of the high dive in Marco Polo. Cause it's fun. Because it's fun. Yeah. And that doesn't take away from the training, right? They're still getting good at swimming. Yeah. Um, and I treat, and it's the way I coach. Yeah. Um, I can teach you how to fight, and I can teach you how to defend yourself um, without, always, without it always being so serious and morose in here. Yeah. And always talk about, well, you're gonna, if you don't do this, you're going to get killed. And if you do this, you're going to die. <laughs> I think we talked about this when I was up there too, but it reminds me when you say that it reminds me of, uh, I used to work in an office and we'd get calls all the time, weekly, uh, these, uh, fly by night security companies calling to tell you about all the burglaries and whatever else that are happening within just a few blocks of your office space. Yes. And you really need to talk to us about security. There's yes. a better way to go about selling security, right? I suspect. Well, and, you know, not I not to point, you know, not to point fingers, but Krav Maga schools do the same thing on Facebook, right? Oh yeah. You go to 
you go to any you know self defense school's page on Facebook and it's just article after article like look who just got raped and robbed in your area and you know it's going down in Louisville, Kentucky. You better get in here and, so we can make you safe. Yeah. That doesn't actually get anybody in the door. No, and you know, but in fairness, you know, on that note, it I think it does serve to point out the fact that bad things do happen and they can happen. And maybe that might motivate you because I think a lot of people too, and this kind of takes us back to the beginning, but I think a lot of people too opt not to study fighting, get into self-defense, learn about personal safety topics, whatever it is, because they think, ah, it's not going to happen to me. Or I move to where I move because there's no crime out there. And I move because it's a safe environment and they never acknowledge the fact that those things go on or if they do they they just think that ah, it'll never happen to me whatever I that think, is i think that's right um i think i've i've become a little more cynical in my old age yeah yeah um that even that stuff doesn't change those minds no and i, don't I think so you know either. not that i want to go down this rabbit hole yeah but i look at things like mass shootings right it's not everybody keeps you know, gambling on, it's not going to happen to us. It's not going to happen to me. Right. And, you know, there are experts out there. They can't fix the mass shooting thing, but there's training out there in case it does happen in your space yep. that you are a little more equipped to deal with that. Yeah. Well, you Nobody, know, what? that training, you know, I never, I never teach it. Yeah. I never get, I, I've, I've quit advertising it because it's just, I feel like I'm just yelling into a wall. Yeah. Well, you know, we do have insurance. We've got fire extinguishers and the kids still, as far as I know, do tornado drills. Yeah. So, you know, there is some merit to just knowing. So you have a better chance, but again, that's a yeah. rabbit hole. We don't have to go down. Um, so this, you know, back to getting you into the school and ways to think of it, you know, you, you mentioned something and I, I had a couple of, to me, they're obvious points, but just to make them anyway, you know, talked about <clears throat> culture and building community and looking for people that you can make relationships with. And that being one yeah. of the things that bring you back in, you know, for those that are hesitant to consider because, you know, you think you won't be any good or you won't have anything in common with anybody else there, you know, right out of the gate, I would just point out that you have com you have more in common with the folks that are already in those schools than you think because everyone there is either there for fitness and or learning self-defense and or fighting. And if you yeah. come for any of those reasons, right out of the gate, the moment that you step your foot through the front door, you've got something in common with most of the people that are in that school. Correct. Right off. Correct. So yeah, I had I had a gentleman come in last night. And, um, you know, we, we were talking, I was actually trying to teach a class at the same time, <laughs> so I could only do so much talking, but sure. you know, kind of, kind of helping. I was trying to pitch the school to him, kind of let him know who we were and what we were about. And, you know, he said, he said something. And I think it's, I think it's a really legitimate thing to ask. You don't hear people ask it a lot, but he's like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about investing in this school and coming in here and spending time. I want to be sure that you're always all that you're also invested in me. Yeah. And um, I think that's a really valid thing to ask. Uh, and I, I don't think that 
I don't think that some school owners look at it that way. Um, but, you know, and I talked to him, I, I said, people come in here for a variety of reasons. And as long as I understand your goals, I am I'm in it. I'm, I'll dig in with you. you know, if you come in here, I need to lose 100 pounds. Cool. We're going to work on that. Yeah. And somebody's like, I was sexually assaulted nine months ago. And I was hoping to be able to come in here and not only learn self-defense, but start being comfortable again. Sure. Being around people, being around men, being around whatever. Yeah. Cool. We'll work on that. Yeah. Like I just, um, but I need to know. Right. So I think it's really important that you let your coach know, A, and that if you don't feel like you've got a coach that's receptive to that, yeah. hit the door. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, and not to speak disparagingly about any one or more schools, but there are a lot of schools that are, you know, in it for the belt factories and it's not about the individuals it's about the mass you know keep the 200 students a month and make it about the the money um and it's and you know with that size too it's sometimes hard to give that individual attention but at least you know if you can find a school that's willing and more importantly able to provide the individual attention and have that dialogue so you know what you should and shouldn't be doing or can and can't do then i think you're ahead of the game but I think that that school is right for some people too. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Yeah. There are some people that they'll be like, I just want my black belt in two years. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care about what they learn. Um, and of course I, that breaks my heart a little bit because I hope that they would also want to be walking away with some skill set. Yeah. But man, if they just want to make a bunch of friends and come in a couple times a week and and get a black belt at the end of it, at the end of their contract, yeah, maybe that's right for some people. Level know? up every eight weeks, you're good. Right, right. I mean, if that is ultimately, you know, if somebody walked in um, and said that to me, like, I I want to get my black belt in three years, I'd be like. Is probably not going to happen at rough hands. Yeah. Yeah. Not there that, is a not lot, lot of other goals that we can meet, but that one's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Let's dial uh, it back a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about all the advantages and benefits of being here. And then if you still want to take that approach, let me know, but this may not be right. for you. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. So let's talk about culture, because I think that's uh, a big one. You know, a lot of times you, um, you know, that's the, I'm trying to think what I want to say here. So that's a big argument for like the, uh, and I don't want to deviate too much, but just as a similar analogy, you know, you hear about a lot about that's the great thing about CrossFit is the community that gets built between the individuals. But I think that applies in self-defense martial arts schools as well yeah and helping to build the culture um i think the first step is being welcoming to all the inner right correct yeah yeah i mean i i think that that 
I mean, obviously it has to start at the top, um, but you have to be very careful about and really tend to that garden and make sure that that, that culture stays a place. You know, we've been, we've been messing around with the taglines at Rough Hands. Like, we're not the school for everybody, but we are the school for anybody. Yeah. If, if, if you're looking for a place to feel comfortable, and I say comfortable after just getting done talking about being uncomfortable, but if you're looking for a place to come and be comfortable being uncomfortable, we're the place for you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that is something that some schools, a lot of schools really struggle with. I think that there are a lot of reasons for it. Uh, I think it's really unfortunate. Um, but ultimately, so, and it, it was kind of on our list of, uh, of, of possible topics. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we started, you know, messing with the idea of talking about what's wrong and what's right with Krav Maga. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I've spent... I spent a lot of time the last few days thinking about this and it's kind of a cheeky answer, but I I definitely, when it comes to Krav Maga, I am spiritual, but not religious. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is most people, when they hear about, when they think about Krav Maga, they start thinking about the Israeli military and police forces and this very militarized, say fighting system and um i am much more interested in where krav maga actually came from yeah which was you know emi and his buddies in the 30s who were you know boxers and wrestlers defending their neighborhoods from yeah. anti-semitic riots yeah right before world war ii and the holocaust yeah. That's where Krav Maga really came from. That, that's it was his, about yeah. It was about protecting um, at-risk populations. It wasn't about training police forces. It wasn't about training the military. That came later. And that came much later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm very much kind of old school Krav Maga that way. In that, I'm I am much more interested in. I, we got a we got an email. It still just breaks my heart every time I have to talk about it. Uh, we got an email a few weeks ago, um, and and I, I'll tell this story, not asking for brownie points, but just to just to make a point. <laughs> sure, right? Um, and it was a pretty simple email. It's like, are trans women uh, welcome at your gym? Mm. And Shelby and I read it at the same time. Shelby's the co-owner of Rough Hands, my, my co-partner, yeah. my co-pilot. Co-pilot. Uh, and um, we just answered like, hell yes, of course. Come in and train. You're not even going to be the first trans person at the school. Yeah. I come to find out that she sent that letter, that email out to a bunch of different schools. Mm. 
most of them came back with no return at all, no response. Hmm. And then other responses came back like, I don't think it would be a problem. And it's like, what do you mean you don't think it would be a problem? You own the school. You decide whether or not that's going to be a problem. Yeah. You, you just set the culture. You just set the tone of that, your place. Right. Yeah. Um, I want, and I think we have done it, but it is imperative as a coach and as a school owner that you create an environment that anybody can walk into. Otherwise, you're going to get a bunch of people that you're not very happy with. Yeah. Well, that goes uh, back to the first point. You know, it's like, uh, I think to get people in the door or to even make people feel more comfortable about coming and exploring and training in the first place is everyone's got to be welcome. Correct. I mean, if you are selective and who you want to be in your school and who you don't, you've already negated them even trying to get there in the first place, right? Right. And, you know, going back to the, you know, kind of staying on the, the Krav Maga track a little bit, because I've seen a number of schools that are like this. Um, you know, they always talk about Krav Maga's for everybody. But then you get into the school and <laughs> the stuff that they're asking you to do is nearly impossible unless you're like a 20-something athlete. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, it's going to take me a few weeks to get in shape, but literally like, oh, I just can't do this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got people that walk in and they're north of 300 pounds. And it's like, do they not have the, do they not have the right to learn how to defend themselves? Yeah. Of course they do. So I need to build a pro and that not, you know, I've got, I've had a guy walk in here. He was 72 years old and had two replaced hips. Mm -hmm. Does he not have a right to learn how to defend himself? Of course he does. But it's on me as a coach to create a culture and to create a, and create a curriculum. Curriculum, yeah. <clears throat> a curriculum. Curriculum. Um, that, that is accessible to him, right? Yeah. He's not going to be, I'm never going to be able to turn that guy into Rambo, but... Do the kids still remember who Randall is? I, I don't know. That's a good question. Does anyone out there <laughs> below the age of what, 35, know who Rambo is? Man, I may, just, I may have just dated myself just, a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody, and, and we talk, we say it, and we, we pay it lip service, but like everybody has the right to defend themselves. Cool. Yep. Then let's actually give them the tools and the skills to do that. Let's set that up. Yeah. You know, with that being said, uh, and you know, we've seen pictures of all sorts of, uh, folks, whether it's older people, folks in with disabilities and wheelchairs, you know, we've seen all sorts of videos and pictures of people taken in martial arts doing yeah. those things and them being given a chance to, which I think is great. Talking about building curriculum and a program, you know, and again, this is a bit of a deviation from topic at hand, but how do you uh, go about addressing the mental preparedness and mindset? Because I think that is so huge to the whole self-defense party. 
and yeah. it's often looked about like often overlooked um stuttering today uh often overlooked and not addressed a whole lot you know we talk about going home safe and things like that but right to me you know like the 72 year old example you gave like to me getting him comfortable with the idea of responding in kind and having the yeah. the mindset to to do that in the first place yeah how does that come into the picture um whew, yeah that one that's a deep rabbit hole so um <laughs> I'm I'm full of I'm full of stuff like that, by the way. Yeah, I I don't think that there's one answer. I'll 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 kind of address it in a number of different ways. Sure. Um and let me first address it by not necessarily debunking, but I take issue with one of the kind of key tenets. Or I don't even know that it's actually truly a key tenet, but I think it's in a it's an assumption that people make. They hear they hear a thing and they turn it into this, which is sometimes self-defense. You, you hear about flipping the switch, right? Flipping the violence switch. Yep. Heard that a few times. Yeah. And, and just turning in, you know, you just see in red and just going bananas, just going berserk. Yeah. Um, in my experience, that gets people worse off <laughs> than, not necessarily doing nothing, but um, that that's not the right approach. And I mean, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about learning to, I think you need to be very, I, I think you need to have a lot of intent yeah. and be capable of great deals of violence yeah. and with when your you, body. And when you commit, commit fully. Yeah, no half measures. Yeah. But you have to keep your head on you. Yeah. You can't just see red and, and you're like, I don't know what happened after that. I just, just went crazy. <laughs> I blacked out. <laughs> yeah. I, I did what? I don't remember I did that. What? <laughs> um and I actually I mean I, to me that's all that's also kind of bullshit. I talked to it. I, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that are like, I just couldn't train. I just couldn't do that jujitsu stuff or that Krav Maga stuff. Because as soon as I, so, as soon as somebody put their arms around my neck, I would just, I would just black out and go crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, number one, if that's true, I think it would behoove you to get in here and train that out of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I also just think that that's a, an excuse that people use to not train <laughs> and, and B something that they may have convinced themselves of that they're like, Oh, see, I'll just go crazy. I'll go bananas and I won't ever have to worry about being in a violent encounter because I'll just be crazier than the next guy. Um, so I don't. When I talk when I talk to people about kind of getting in the mindset, I it's really more about getting in the body set. Um, it's about what I want to have happen, and I never want it to happen. But if it does happen, 
when someone gets in a violent encounter, here's the truth. Your brain is going to panic, right? You're going to be scared. You're going to shit yourself. Like it's going to be, you're going to have an adrenaline dump and it's going to be terrible. Right? Those are facts. Unless you just, unless this is like your 3,000th violent encounter. Yeah. It, it just, that, it, that, those are, that is the truth. But what I, what I am hoping will happen with your training is that even though your brain is having a little bit of a freak out, that your body will be like, oh, I've been here before. And you'll have one less thing to worry about. So you're like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of danger. It's, you know, whatever the new variables are. It's the new variables that are going to scare you, right? I'm out in a parking lot now. I'm not in the confines of my, you know, the comfy mats at the school. And it's the new variables that freak you out. But hopefully, we've exposed you enough to a lot of the base variables that you can still kind of navigate your way through the, the interaction. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Totally. And and then there there are other pieces that I just I try to I tell people to be a successful martial artist, to be a successful coach, you have to be a student of violence. You have to understand it. You have to watch it. And in some ways, you have to simulate it, even if it's on the mats. Like, you have to understand it. And so, you know, we talk, you hear me talk a lot about things like how durable human beings actually are in violent encounters. You know, things get broken and torn and ripped off. And, you know, our bodies can take a tremendous amount of punishment. A lot more abuse than Joe Schmo realizes or thinks about yeah for sure and still continue to fight still fight yeah and so this is one of the things this is one of my big bones that i had to pick with krav maga in particular but kind of the self-defense community in general is you know anytime i hear oh all i need to do is x y and z and i'll be fine yeah oh yeah i'll just gouge him in the eyes i'll just bite them i'll just kick them in the nuts you know whatever it is whatever you think your go-to thing is that's going to solve all your problems i'll just pull my gun out and shoot them it's nonsense and if you really believe that you're putting yourself in danger um and it's also why we talk about turning off the computer so much right because ultimately that's the quickest way out of a violent interaction is shut the computer off in the head of the person that's trying to do damage to you. Yeah. You know, there's some martial arts that are like talking about limb destruction and all this other stuff. And man, if you don't turn the computer off, you have a problem. Yeah. It's all about the CNS that central nervous system, right? Yeah. If you don't just absolutely take away their entire ability to do violence, you got a problem on your hands. Um, so talking and really helping people understand those kinds of things. Um, and you know, when I talk about knife defense, gun defense, um, 
virtually anything because you'll you always have the guy that raises his hand in class and I'm still in this position and we're working and it's like, well, what if the guy punches you in the face from here? Right? How many times have you heard somebody say that? Yep. What if they do X, Y, and Z? Expect them to do X, Y, and Z. You're going to get hit. Yeah. They're going to be fighting back. It doesn't change your job. You may get cut. You may get stabbed. You may get shot. It does not change your job. Your job does not change until you are either completely incapacitated or dead. Yes, you'll be hurt. Yes, yeah. there's somebody trying to hit you. you know, yeah. All of those things are true, but your job doesn't change. Unless you're really good or really lucky or avoided the situation entirely to begin with, you're probably going to get jacked up somehow. Of course. Yeah. And for no other reason than you're late to the party. Right. 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 Because the guy in front of you knew you were in a fight before you did. Because he hits first. Well, you know, whatever, whatever the interaction is. So, yeah, you're probably going to take a lick. So, assuming you're still awake at the end of that, it's time to get to work. Yeah. So that, those are the things, those are the types of things that I really try to instill in the people here. It's not so much like, I just need you to go bananas. Right. Just fl flip that switch. Yeah. Uh, there's not a switch. It's about training your body and then making sure that the expectations in the mind are properly set. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the saying? You don't rise to the level of your training. You rise to your level of proficiency, basically like if that right, a fraction of it in actuality. A fraction. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. No matter how perfect you are in training, you got the best techniques. You pass your level test with flying colors better than anyone else in techniques. When the shit hits the fan on the streets, it doesn't really work that way. So you can expect to be hurt. You can expect for all your technique perfectness to go out the window. Which is, since I'm just having bones to pick, um, <laughs> that's one of the big reasons I posted something in our, our private Facebook group last night of this very cool looking piece of choreography that some other self-defense school did. And, you know, this multiple elbow strike and a taking the back and pushing them up against the wall and doing this, that, and the other thing. Um, I don't run a dance school, right? If you want to go learn choreography, the ballet school's down the street. Um, right. Spending a bunch of time learning complex combinations of movements to achieve self-defense is a fallacy. Yeah. <laughs> Anything past two or three kind of moves in a combination, you can expect that to never ever happen to you. Yeah. Never. Mm -mm. There's just too many other variables, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is another one where I'll go, well, but, you know, I think of the, the Chinese kung fu masters, right? And, and yep. kung fu or variations thereof. I would say it's fairly effective, but to your point, it is full in, in a lot of cases of a lot of different movements, a lot of different procedures to a given technique. 
and under stress, are you really going to be able to do that stuff? Now, for those that practice it and have been practicing it since the age of three and now are Kung Fu masters, okay, great. No one's going to touch you and get away with it more than likely. Maybe, but Maybe. even then, you're working on I, I, You might be able to convince me of that in the dojo on the mats. Right. With, but you're making a lot of assumptions. Yep. On the street where things are That different. thing working. You shouldn't be doing that when you've been surprised in the parking lot yeah, and you're, I'm going to be proven right every single time. Yeah. Well, the point I was going to make the difference is, is that here, at least in this, I would say most folks stateside by comparison probably are not disciplined enough or have the time enough to put in that degree and level of training. So when it no. comes to teaching and learning effective self-defense for our needs, uh, you got to have more simple movements based on uh, natural reactions or whatever else you want to, you know, say about it. Yeah. You know, we even, I, I try to be so data driven in my teaching. Um, and obviously, a lot of times there's not enough data for me to make good decisions, but I just have to keep studying and do the best I can. But ultimately, I have people on average maybe two or three times a week, right? For an hour, an hour at a time. Yeah. It would be an absolute disservice to spend that hour, those hours, doing something they'll never see in the real world. Or they'd never be able to do in a real world situation. Or that they'd never be able to really do. Yeah. It looks good. It's cool. Sells it, seminars. It sells seminars. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, and I even take this down to the issue of handedness. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, unless I've had somebody that's at it a really long time, I make, I make everybody do their knife attacks, their gun attacks. I make everybody do it right-handed. Um, and there's a very simple reason why. 90% of the population is right-handed. Yeah. I have never seen any data that indicates to me that left-handed people commit more crime than right-handed people do. <laughs> That's some of that abstract research. Yeah. If anybody listening has that data, please send it to me. Yeah. Let us I know. want to see it. Play, play, um, the, play the odds, play the population. Yeah. But if I only have you a couple hours a week, am I going to spend time training the 90% solution or the 10% solution? Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Well, you know who also says that Jimmo? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. None of these are terribly original ideas. Right. right? Yeah. No, but they're I true. Mean, yeah. I mean, my, all my stick came from somewhere yeah. and I'm, I'm proud to say that he's definitely one of my big influences. And, and oddly enough, he hates, uh, he absolutely loathes self-defense and crop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The irony. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of the duty of teaching self-defense is to 
talk about and teach the realities of self-defense. I know it sounds really simple, but I think you probably know where I'm going at with that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think the schools get caught up in the techniques and the procedures and the yes. history of the art and the sales pitch, even after you're yeah. on board. Yeah. But, I think the disservice comes in where they don't talk about the stuff as much as they're training the techniques. Cause I I've said it for a number of years now. I think there's as much or more value in the information you can dispel to distill to your students as there is the techniques and the physicalities of it. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I get people give me a hard time about it. Um, but I pontificate a lot while I'm teaching. <laughs> I mean, there's a joke about it at the school. Like, if I start talking too long, yeah, people will actually just start doing squats. <laughs> so that, oh, they just start doing squats so that they can stay warm. And I'm like, okay, I need to shut my mouth. Right. Let's get to work. Um, but I think that's absolutely right. And I also think it's important. Um, two things. Uh, let them ask questions yeah um and it is perfectly okay for hey you know what i don't know the answer to that but let's find out that is a perfectly acceptable answer yep um and a lot of people have a hard time doing that yeah they want quick answers to everything well and the coaches themselves the school owners feel like they need to know everything man i don't know everything yeah yeah. I don't. I don't have the answer to that. Oh, let me see if I can find out. Or let's work through it and see what might. Or, work. hey, come here, Tim. Show me what you mean. Let's see if we can work through it. Because that's the other thing you'll find out about about me is I'm much more principle based than I am technique based. So yeah, you you touch on a good point. It's almost like my five dollars I gave you is well spent because the <laughs> very next thing that that's the perfect segue to a topic that I wanted to talk to you about is principles versus techniques. And again, you know, you dropped a lot of this on me when I was up there back in June and it just all resonated with me. And I think another person that talks about principles versus getting so caught up in the techniques is Rory Miller as well. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's big absolutely. on, if you understand the principles of what needs, it needs to be done. And I was watching something with him and his joint locks. Cause he's big on joint locks and his, yeah, that's yeah. one of his favorite things. But he was talking about, if you know the principles, then the techniques really don't matter because you're just going to be able to roll with the punches, so to speak. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I start introducing those principles and you know, I don't even necessarily have a, a written down list. Um, but it's more of instilling an understanding. I don't want people to, to just learn a huge collection of techniques. That's not important to me. Yeah. Um, I am much more interested in, them being able to solve, do problem solving in novel situations based on what they've been taught. Um, so, and that goes down to the absolute kind of one of the first things you'll learn, right? We start working on punches. I spend a lot less time talking about all the intricacies of a straight punch. Yeah. And I start hammering into them the principles of the punch. I always, I want to strike my target with the top two knuckles 
I want to always try to keep my elbow behind my fist like a fist. I always want to move my hips and shoulders in the direction that I need power. Yeah. Just those three things. Yep. Pretty simple. And if, if they really understand those three things, they can start sending any punch from any direction. They'll understand how to do hooks and uppercuts and shovel hooks and overhands. And um, just because they understand the principles of punch, they don't need to learn all of those punches individually. Now, we can go visit them and clean them up, but I am much more interested in helping people find one principle that can apply to 20 situations. Multiple, yeah. Then you know, 20 different techniques. Uh, that's, and again, it goes back to, I have very little time with these people. So if I can start really instilling in them, okay, anytime I'm in a violent encounter, I need to be working on getting outside the elbows, right? The most, the most dangerous place I can be in a fight is standing Inside those elbows. my body inside those elbows. Yeah. So come hell or high water, I don't care how you do it. It could be with your foot. It could be with your footwork. It could be with an arm drag. It could be with anything. Get outside of those elbows. Yeah. Then I've done my job, right? Mission accomplished. They don't need to know every single possible permutation of getting outside the elbows. Or at least they don't need me to teach it to them. They'll start to figure it out organically because they understand the principle. And that goes to joint locks, just like you were saying, right? I am much more interested in people understanding the mechanics of an arm bar than understanding how to do an arm bar from mount, how to do an arm bar from guard, how to do an, you know, once you understand how to do an arm bar, you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, And I think that is critically important to teaching people with such an, uh, a limited amount of time. Yeah. So, you know, to be proficient, because it's one thing on the mat in the school. Yeah. When in, when in a violent encounter, do you think it takes less training for them to employ principles, having to think under stress? more so or less so than it takes to think through, Oh, what was that technique for this thing that's happening to me? Yeah. Well, I mean, without a doubt, it's principles, you know, we deal with this. Um, we deal with this a lot. Um, I think I, I, it takes me back to when we start playing with playing with knives. Yeah. My least favorite thing. Yeah. Everybody's least favorite thing. Yeah, man. Right. It's, 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 it's as scary as it gets. Yeah. But, you know, one of the big key principles of dealing with and, and defending against a knife is having a two-on-one. Having two of your limbs trying to control either their limb, their hand, or the weapon. Yeah. Right? That's um, and we can start playing with it on the ground, standing, you know, whatever the situation is. And it doesn't really happen that much, but, you know, someone could look back at me and I'd be like, is this right? And I'll be like, I don't know. Come here. Let's take a look at it. And I'll walk up and I'll be like, well, are you applying the principles? Have you got a two-on-one? Yeah. Are you in a position where you can smash their head in and turn the computer off? Yep. 
I, you're not going to find that particular position in any textbook. But <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that looks, I mean, I don't have any way I can improve it at this point. I don't have a photograph of how that's supposed to work, but. No, it, and there is no, you won't find a photograph because there are an infinite number of possibilities. Infinite number. There's just too many ways things can go to think that you're going to be able to cover it all with technique. Well, you know, I think someone we both know has an infamous saying now, or at least it's it's become infamous, and I have to completely agree, as simple as it is, is someone we know says, it depends. You can't Correct. possibly have all the answers to every possible scenario there could ever be. But to your point, in an argument for understanding, at least foundationally, those principles you can at least think through how something might go when one little thing changes the entire scenario, right? Because you don't know. There's no way to know. It's an infinite yes. number of possibilities and outcomes exactly for that right. matter. That's exactly right. And, you know, to throw this out there, and we've said it just in fighting in general, <clears throat> self-defense or otherwise, you're going to get jacked up. And with a knife, you just might as well just plan on getting cut. Yeah, I'm always really careful about how I talk about that. Yeah. Um, just because I don't want it. I, I'm, I'm always concerned that it will end up being a self-fulfilling prophecy and that it will cause people to be less careful. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I say is be prepared to get cut. Yeah. Not you are going to get cut. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Weird shit happens, right? You may do it, you may get through it, and not get cut. Yeah, but be prepared. Be prepared. And then I also tell them the punchline is you probably won't even know that you got cut until nope. after the interaction's over. Well, you know, there's a saying in that community. I think that something like uh, knives aren't meant to be seen; they're meant to be felt. Well, I, I always kind of balk at that because I get what they're what they're getting at, but the reality of it is, you're not going to feel it either. No, a lot of times you don't feel it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, read reports and people are like, man, I felt like I was just being punched and it yep. was, you know, just yep. kind of like a stinging punch or a lot of times people just don't realize that it's happening, yeah. especially because they don't bleed very much in the moment in, because initially. of the adrenaline dump. Well, that's what I was going to say too. That adrenaline's probably keeping you from feeling anything anyway. Correct. It serves its purpose. Yeah. Yes. There's a reason we're so durable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people keep fighting after horrible things have happened to their bodies. Horrible things. Like being shot 14 times. Yeah. yeah. I, it, people always, um, especially the firearms people get so mad at me when, you know, I started, I'm like, guys, do you know that nine out of 10 people survive gunshot wounds? Everybody's like, what? No, it doesn't happen like it does in the movies. No. no. And I'm like, Guns are actually really terrible at killing people. <laughs> so, right, right. I'm, I'm going to date myself. So, you know, remember all those episodes of A-Team? How many people died by gunshots? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bullets flying. Not a lot but happening. But to that point. But I usually say that stuff when I'm talking about durability. And and on both sides of the equation, right? I'm, I'm first debunking the guy that's like, well, I've got my Glock. I'm just going to shoot him. And it's like. That doesn't, that likelihood of that solving your problem is low. Yeah. Um, it's possible, but not a, it's possible. Not a guarantee. I mean, and, it, and I say it's just, as, 
it's equally as unlikely as me just punching them in the face once and it being a done deal. Like, right. Yeah. Usually, you know, you have to, you, you have to kind of dig in a little bit and get some work done. Yeah. Um, but then I also say it on the other side, I'm like, you know, people be working, uh, gun defense stuff and they're like, Oh, I stepped in the line of fire. I'm dead. I got to start over. And I'm like, bullshit. Keep going. Keep going. Fig- figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's you got shot doesn't mean you're dead and it doesn't mean your job changed. Right. And you know, that's, and that's something that they teach in that arena too. And I've done quite a bit of that. And that is just because you've been shot doesn't mean you're out of the fight. You keep going unless you're drained out and you know, you've bled out or your, your, you know, your brain is shut off. You have every, opportunity and capability of continuing so you know that was the thing that we saw uh repetitively in krav classes as students would uh, and i'm guilty of myself too like, uh, i didn't do that the way i wanted to let me start over reality start out over. Is, there's not going to be anything perfect technique or scenario wise if things happen in real life right out right. on the street which takes me back again to why principles are so important yeah because techniques fail yeah. And they go out the window anyway, even if you know your techniques yeah. perfectly and you execute yeah. them 100% on the street, you're not doing that ch- choke defense no. just perfect. No. Not going to happen. No, of course not. So we've kind of slanted this thing, it seems like, towards students, students coming in, students starting out, what to expect, that kind of thing. Yeah. So in that vein, unless you want to go a different direction, I think my next question would be at this point, what should someone's goals be for training? I know that's kind of open-ended, but that that's the intent. Um, yeah. You know, there's going to be a portion of that. that's really personal and personalized. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, but ultimately I think, and it's actually going to start reaching outside the bounds of just self-defense. Um, but I, I think there are a few things that are, that should be a goal. Um, number one, come in here and start figuring out how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That, if nothing else, yeah. that, because that is going to start having impacts in the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a principle that you can carry outside the, the training school, right? The next one, um, I, you know, and this it's the obvious one, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Learn how to fight. Learn how to fight. That's a deep rabbit hole. Um, the fun part of learning how to fight is you never have to be finished with it. That drives some people crazy. <laughs> right. Um, I can't tell you how I can't tell you how many emails we get. We, you know, every once in a while we'll run like a six week special for however much money, and yeah. we'll get a. Look at Amy like, well, how, how good am I going to be at the end of this six weeks? <laughs> depends on, how many, I don't know. Depends on how many pills you've taken in that time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know how to begin to answer that question. Yeah. A lot of people aren't very good with something that they're doing, not having an end point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I think it is. Uh, exquisitely healthy for human beings to do things that don't necessarily have a fixed endpoint. 
Well, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. It's uh, so oftentimes we're more concerned with and interested in the destination than the journey. And in fighting in sure. self-defense, it's the journey. There really isn't necessarily a destination. And certainly no. that shouldn't be your your mentality towards it either way. It's like the guy that says, you know, how good am I going to be or how proficient am I going to be at the end of that six-week course that I'm paying a discounted rate for? You'll be, you know, based on X amount of participation, you're, you'll be as good as you would be at the end of that six-week period. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. And again, I, I understand, I get the question. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But in the context, it makes absolutely zero sense. Right. Um, so learn how to fight. Um, the next thing I would say is use, use this training to make yourself a better you make mm. yourself healthier. How, how do you want to frame this? Mm. Uh, you are far more likely to die of uh, heart disease or type two diabetes than you are of uh, an active shooter event Sure. or a yeah. knife attack. Yeah. Right. So come yeah. in here and bust your ass. Yeah. Right. Come in here and lose that 20 pounds. You've been wanting to, you know, whatever it is. Come in here and work. Um, the cool thing about this is you can have the same results uh, that you know you you're having in your CrossFit class or you know whatever else you're doing. Your jazzercise is jazzercise still around? Um, now you're really dating yourself because I was going to bust out some Richard Simmons on you, but I don't think anybody knows who that cat is yeah, anymore. Right? Put your leg warmers on and come in here right. and train. Yeah, just do it. Uh, do the work. Do the work. And then the cool thing about it is you're getting the same amount of work in it, but you're coming out with a skill set that you're not getting in other places. Right. Right? You're learning to fight. Yeah. One you can um, actually use. Stuff you can actually use. And then probably, and this is going to sound crazy because I'm a fight coach, but probably the most valuable thing that you're going to get um, in a fight gym Get ready for it. Hmm. It's adult social interaction. Yeah. Uh, we are so starved. We are so starved of that um, in our kind of modern world where we are really stifled with how we can interact with people at work. Um, we're stifled. You know, obviously, you know, we can't interact with the same way with kids that we do with adults. Sure. Um, we can't uh, face, don't even get me started on Facebook and all the social networks. A place like this is one of the very few places that you could come in and do this kind of primal activity with other human beings that you can't do. And it's not socially acceptable elsewhere. Come in here and touch hands with people and rough house. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I could just give you a, a, a stacks of names of people that are like, well, the only way I'm able to keep my cool at work and 
you know, blah, 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 blah. I manage my stress. I manage my, because I could come in here and blow off steam. I got my outlet. I've got my outlet. And on a day-to-day basis, that is probably the most valuable thing that you're going to get out of training, in my opinion. And I'm an idiot, so what do I know? No, I, I, I think it's a brilliant point and one that doesn't get talked about a lot because we've talked about all this, you know, come and get uncomfortable, jump in the deep end of the pool, get thrown in the lion's den. It's been talked about a lot. Like some of the best bonding in, between human beings is under duress and extreme circumstances. And so, you know, the irony of fighting and, and learning how to fight and that – um you know, dare I say, especially in today's society, a social, atypical type of behaviors, it's a really good opportunity to bond with others, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, everything else just, and it's not true for everybody, but everything melts away. Like, you, when I touch hands with somebody and we're doing jujitsu or whatever it is that we're doing, I don't care about who you voted for. Right. I don't give a shit about what your skin color is or who or what you rub your genitals on. Like, I don't give a shit. Because it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Yeah. It's just two human beings just getting after it. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And people are missing out on it if they're not doing it. Oh, I know. Believe me, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's been, um, dare I say a Zen place for me over the years. Oh yeah. I've got, I've got one guy that I do private lessons with and he's always talking to me about like, he reads a lot of books about flow state and kind of getting in this meditative state where we're rolling jujitsu. And, uh, and I actually have a few, uh, of vets that are really, you know, using that kind of thing for, for mindfulness and being in the moment and you know, dealing with terrible things like PTSD. Sure. Um, and that's not, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's like, come do whatever. It'll cure everything. It'll fix all your problems. <laughs> right. It won't. No. And um, everybody, it's going to be something different, you know? Yeah, but, but man, it can really be release valve for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Find that outlet. Good yeah. stress relief, if nothing else. Absolutely. A different kind of stress, perhaps, but a good outlet. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like uh, um, they, they say on Fight Club, right? It's like once you've, once you've been in this kind of situation, it just turns the volume down on everything else in your life. It turns the volume down. Yeah. Okay? Not, nothing else seems as bad. Yeah, I think because you have to be in the moment, you have to be present um, because you are working, because you are trying to figure things out, because you are learning, because you are trying not to be choked out by your partner. <laughs> right. um, yeah. You know, you have, you, you know, I, I've uh, picked, I, I used to do it a lot when I was a kid. I don't know if you ever did. I think it's awesome. And I think it's even, I think even more awesome now because I have an even greater appreciation with it. But I guess when I was in my early teens, maybe I started shooting bow and arrow at summer camp, right? Not a big deal. Did a couple of competitions, whatever. 
my dad wound up buying me a, a pretty decent compound bow back when I was in my early mid teens. And I shot that yeah. in our backyard on an occasion. And, um, just more recently, like in the last nine months, I'd say I picked myself up a recurve and started shooting, um, in my backyard again. Interesting. And I started out at a decent distance, like, I don't know, 15 yards or something. I was like, I, I can't, I probably haven't forgotten all my skills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah. Where's the target? Oh, it's behind me. My bad. Uh, so I had to shrink it down and start out at 20. And then I wound up going out to 10 yards and then 15. And now I'm able to hit bullseye, you know, at 35, 30, 35 yards without any issues. Nice. I'm just plinking yeah. in the backyard. But, you know, the, the point of that is, is that I've, I found that outlet, another outlet. I found another Zen. I can't, the point that I'm trying to make, like the fighting thing is that I can't think about anything else because there's so much tied up in my body mechanics and are my feet pointed yeah. in the right direction? Do I have my elbow yeah. up? Am I, you know, all of these things right. I'm thinking about simultaneously or not. Yeah. And You're I, having to manage all your resources. I'm managing all my resources and I am in that moment and present and it's all I can do. And it's wonderful. And, you know, fighting, Krav, whatever you elect to do, I think is a lot like that because you can't afford to be anywhere else. Because if, if you are, you mess up and then you're disappointed and you've gone down a different path uh, that you didn't want to go. So, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been great. You want to talk about anything else that comes to mind? We're about an hour and 18 right now. <laughs> yeah, we've done pretty good, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, this we've has been good. this has been fun. Yeah. No, we could we could cut it loose today if uh, if we end up uh, you know, people end up having questions or anything and want us to start rapping again, I'm always happy to do it. Yeah. Um but no, this has been fun. Absolutely. Let everybody chew on this a little bit. Everybody go train. Yeah, go, go train. train. Go find a place you're comfortable with and go train. Get uncomfortable. Learn something new. And if you need help finding a place, reach out to Jim. Reach out to myself. Um, there, there's help out there, but go train. It's, there's, there's too, it's too important not to. Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. Simple, but good point. So, you know, we were talking about earlier, it's been six, 2018. And I think I mentioned this, uh, in the, uh, cast we did on Krav originally, uh, yeah. s number of months ago, but you know, if it hadn't been for you, Jesse, I wouldn't have explored this Avenue and it's not just the Krav piece, uh, that it wound up bringing to my table, so to speak. I have a newfound interest in all things, personal defense, self-defense, you know, personal safety, whatever like that, because of my experience and my going through the whole Krav Maga training and then the instructor uh, phase training, all of that. And, and, you know, quite honestly, I have you to thank for that. So I want to thank you uh, now that you're actually doing a podcast for me <laughs> with me. Uh, I, I, I wanted to thank you uh, personally again for that because uh, it, it's opened up a lot of doors for me and ma certainly sure. made me think about a lot of things. And hopefully I've been able to help some uh, people along the way too, because of it. So thank you. Well, ultimately that's what it's all about. You know, um, and we talk about we talk about goals a little bit you know ultimately my goal for everybody is just 
to you know make them a little safer and improve their lives just a little bit every time they walk out the door um and and hopefully that was true to all the listeners too if they took anything from it um then we got our job done today yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more well thanks for coming on and absolutely um, look forward to the next one yeah i'm sure we'll catch up here soon <laughs> yes sir Good. thanks a lot all thanks right. for listening to Thank you guys you. yeah, yeah.